Every day, we rise, challenging ourselves to work for what we believe in. At U.S. Border Patrol, protecting our borders is more than a job. It's a calling. Agents answer the call, working together to keep our country and communities safe. If you are ready for a new mission, join U.S. Border Patrol and go beyond. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. What if you could have a career where the opportunities are as vast as our nation, where it's not about mission statements, but a shared mission? At U.S. Customs and Border Protection, we go beyond to protect more than borders, from ship to shore, air to ground, cities to local communities. CBP agents and officers are keeping people safe. Join U.S. Customs and Border Protection and go beyond for something far greater than yourself. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. The following podcast is a W2M Network original production. Visit w2mnet.com for all of our other great podcasts, plus news, reviews, articles, and opinions from the worlds of wrestling, video games, football, and entertainment. Let's get beside the game. Fourth and goal. Uh-oh. And they're going to snap it. And it's Trey Burton who throws caught. Foles. Touchdown. Think about Lola trying to make up for it. Fires to the end zone. Touchdown. Alabama wins. gentlemen football to the max here are your hosts sean garmer gary vaughn and eric watkins hello and welcome to football to the max the last one of the official 2017-2018 nfl season because super bowl just ended the philadelphia eagles are the 2017-2018 World champions defeating the New England Patriots 41-33 to in one hell of a game. And here with me to talk about is Mr. Eric Watkins. I have never felt so relieved and vindicated to be wrong in my entire life. Yeah, I was wrong too. And it feels weird as a Cowboys fan still. But you know what? <laughs> not- they they earned it. I mean, it's not like there was nothing controversial about anything. There was nothing controversial on the the Patriots' end. For once, this was just the Eagles going out there and earning this thing. And you know, they say defense wins championships. The one time the defense comes up big, it's the most important time of the game. And what a moment there for for that to happen. Yeah, it was second highest scoring game in Super Bowl history, most yards by any postseason game in history. So when you're looking at a game that's in that style and that's tempo, it always ends on the one big defensive play, and the Eagles made it right at the very end. 
and you think you feel weird, imagine how poor Daryl Green felt as he was marching with the Vince Lombardi trophy. Yeah, that's got to be really weird. Yeah, as a uh, Redskins player, your whole career, and then you're having to hand it off to a bitter rival in the Eagles for them to get the championship. Well, Carson Wentz, you will get a Super Bowl ring, but you will have not uh, been the reason why. You're, well, you're the reason why they were in the playoffs, but you're not the reason why they actually won it. That will go to Nick Foles. And, man, this certainly shows what a horrible coach uh, Jeff Fisher has been in the last, I don't know how many years since uh, the Titans. But, man. He was even only a half-decent coach then. He had Steve McNair, who, even in his year with the Ravens, still had a lot of success. And lest we forget Kerry Collins, I mean, it was one of those times where the game had just passed him by. And now you have Jared Goff, playoffs, who they could easily get back next season. Case Keenum, who, after this great season, he's a bit of a question mark. And Nick Foles, Super Bowl MVP. Yeah, what can you you say about uh the man, I mean, look, he had, you know, Tom Brady will probably, he also had a heck of a game, and the stat line is going to read a great one for Brady himself, but Nick Foles made some incredible throws in this game. He he scored a touchdown himself <laughs> catching, uh, which is what you heard in the intro there, the incredible trick play on a fourth and one. And I think that's one of my first, I think, things to really point at here for this game is how aggressive Doug Peterson was. And just to go over the stat line here for Nick Foles that we that uh, you mentioned, 28 for 43, 373 yards, three touchdowns. He had the one interception that was a horrible tip by Alshon Jeffrey to not only tip it in the air, but then tip it to the side as well, which was... The, one of the dumbest things I've seen. Uh, but, you know, you're trying to make a reaction at that point. It, it is what it is. Uh, Brady, 505 yards passing, three touchdowns, 28 for 48. So, you know, certainly not Tom Brady's fault, uh, the reason why the Patriots did not win this game. But the aggressive play calling by Doug Peterson in this game, I think is one of the huge reasons why they won. Not only that fourth down, uh, several fourth down plays, but that fourth down trick play, I think is really what kind of started it all of just almost anybody else on fourth and one right there. You're going for the field goal. Maybe Hmm. you do a fake field goal, but to just go, you know what? Not only are we not going to like try to run it in or sneak it in or do some kind of fade, we're going to do some ridiculous trick play. Knowing, knowing the fact that the very trick play the Patriots had tried earlier on, Brady was just as wide open, if not even more so, and it failed. So you've seen exactly how bad things can go. And you do it anyway, and it still works. 
much, and you much have a better. smaller mm-hmm. margin of error because you have the end zone there. Oh, yes. So, so a lot of credit to Doug Peterson, backup quarterback himself. He knows the game, and that really showed. Yeah, he certainly uh, he knows the game. And I think that's also just it's the way he's done things the whole year, right? He didn't just say, okay, I'm going to go back in the show. This is the Super Bowl. i got to get conservative. No, he just did it the only way he really knows how and just going out there being aggressive, not just in the fourth down calls because he had another uh, he had another several of them where, uh, you know, Zach Ertz caught the big uh, two-yard pass late in the game that got him a first down that was huge. And, of course, he eventually caught the touchdown that would be the go-ahead winner uh, and everything. Just it's, uh, it, it's absolutely amazing to me that, look, this is a guy's second year coaching as a head coach, and he – he went out there, and every time you thought, "Okay, this is this is when they give it right back to the Patriots." No, he he knew the game plan. He knew you don't give it back to Tom Brady and give him so many chances, especially in the second half where they were just they even got a lead because eventually the luck ran out for the for the Eagles. Mm-hmm. I, the, the luck ran out, and I could even tell as time wore on how significant it had to be for the Eagles to really just keep scoring. Because in the first half especially, the Eagles went heavy run-pass option, and it worked. But you're sitting there and you're realizing, the Patriots are going to make that adjustment. The Eagles adjusted to that adjustment, focusing heavier on the run and saying, okay, we've got to score, we've got to score, we've got to put some sort of points on the board, because we know... Brady and that offense is going to eventually get everything together and they're going to start rolling, which in the second half, Hogan, Amendola, Gronk had a very significant appearing out of nowhere second half, four catches really in a row on a scoring drive. So, yeah, they kind of saw this coming. Oh, certainly. And I think the other thing you alluded to it, was the importance of the run game for the Eagles. I mean, it's been important most of the year, especially once they got Jay Ajayi and were able to have the triple threat attack. And they used that to their advantage in this game heavily. Corey Clement was absolutely immense in this game. He finished with 100 yards passing or catching. He was their leading receiver for the game. He had the big you know, 55-yard blow-up there. Uh, LeGarrette Blunt had the long 21-yard run as well for the touchdown. As the second half wore on, the Patriots started keying in and making sure they didn't beat him with the run, but then Corey Clement was vital in that that one that was, you know, 50-50, whether he bobbled it and got control again in the end zone, that could have gone the other way and not been a touchdown, and that that's another thing that's different. Uh, in this game here, but between all three running backs, they uh, they got what is it a uh, 164 yards on 
on 27 carries, that's mm-hmm. uh, that's pretty damn good. Yeah, you're looking at six, almost seven yards a carry. Now, granted, the Patriots' defense, they are very bend but don't break as far as yardage. They're almost last in the league, but for points scored, they were top five. So that was very critical. But keeping the ball the way they did, that's what made it even more impressive. Yeah, certainly, and helped them extend the drive. Zach Ertz was huge uh, in this game as well. Every time it seemed like he was looking for somebody, it was Zach Ertz. I mentioned the touchdown. He had several key third down and fourth down conversions uh, for this one. Uh, You know, I think also what's important here, something that the Patriots lacked was, I, I mean, he hit a few on his own, but Jake... Jake Elliott hitting all three field goals. He missed that extra point, but Guskowski misses an extra point. He misses a field goal. Those three points are important uh, when they didn't hit for him at, uh, at that juncture. And Elliott, you know, hits that one that, that makes it a much different game uh, at that point, uh, at the end there. And you got to give props to the, the rookie for, for coming up big as well. Yeah, stepping up in a big moment, and really, and you mentioned this for the Patriots special teams, there was a lot more disorganization, especially on that big, and one key miss, 26-yarder, which is normally routine, bad snap, that was muffled. And we were talking about this off-air. It's moments like that why I never fully liked punters holding on kicks, because You have a terrible snap, the punter will only do but so much to try to make it at least a half-decent kick. Where if you have, say, a third-string quarterback, they could do a little bit more. So you had the snap laces sideways, that kick wobbly hits the upright. Yes, that kind of comes into play towards the end with that final drive. Three points, even six points there. You're talking, okay not needing to go for two or so much if you're the Eagles, different strategy on extra points if you're the Patriots. That was just rare. That had me scratching my head. Yeah, and I mentioned, uh, you know, the defensive, uh, both both teams on defense, the only sack in the game was the eventual strip sack of Brady from Brandon Graham. That's the only time they really got to Brady in the entire game. But, again, that's that's what matters. Defense in those key moments when you need him the most. Something the Eagles did that the uh, Patriots just quite couldn't do. And and I think that, that plays that, – that, to me, was the, the biggest thing. Not just the points that the Eagles put up. Not just everything else we talked about. But that play by Brandon Graham absolutely mm-hmm. saved the game. In a moment where you're sitting there going, oh, the the Patriots have just torched the Eagles this entire half. Here we go again. Brady's going to get all the glory. It's Mm going to be Patriot land again. And here comes Brandon Graham to make the save. Just hitting the ball out of Tom Brady's hand. And Brady in a position between Graham and Long being wrapped up so nobody can immediately react. And in a game that featured 
over 1,150 yards of total offense. That's easily the biggest play to single out on defensively because you knew at that point the Patriots were going to get a touchdown. All the momentum, all the plays, their signature passing game was going to lead to a score. Then all of a sudden, boom, that happens. Eagle can, can just bleed the clock, bleed the clock just a little bit more rather than thinking, okay, how fast do we let Tom lead them in the end zone so we have a shot at getting the ball back? Exactly. They could waste so much time on that final drive that they did because of what they'd already done offensively. Yet give the defense as much time as you can to rest. Everything, you're taking advantage of the fact that the Patriots defense hasn't really been able to stop you uh, for the most part in this game, which they didn't get a sack on Foles. Uh, they did get four tackles for loss, but that's it. Like That, that defense couldn't get to Foles either. And, and that was an important uh, thing. I mean, Foles made some incredible step-ups in the pocket as well, moved. And there were times where he moved and, you know, the pass wound up errant and didn't go anywhere. But, mm-hmm. you know, it's, it's again, just between what Nick Foles did as a quarterback in this game, what Doug Peterson did as the coach, making the right play calls. It seemed like every time he had the right call, uh, the defense stepping up when it was needed the absolute most, special teams being important. That's not to say that, again, what the Patriots did offensively, they did their thing. They did they did what you expect from them. They stayed in the game uh, the entire time. This was a start-to-finish classic. And, you know, y- you needed that one more comeback, Tom. It didn't happen, unfortunately, here. Uh but, but I do think uh, you should give Belichick some credit for making those second-half adjustments, especially the Alshon Jeffrey torched them several times in the first half. He decided, okay, I'm going to put Stephon Gilmore on him the entire time in this second half. You didn't hear from Alshon Jeffrey hardly at all. And again, you decide no Malcolm Butler except special teams. That was interesting, too. Yeah, and that was one of those last-minute decisions that they had mentioned primarily in passing for the longest time. And you wonder what was in Belichick's mind with that decision because I thought Butler throughout the postseason had performed well. And I thought he, if anybody, especially going all the way back to Super Bowl Forty-Nine. He came off the bench and really earned a starting job on that last play. Why not give him a chance here? So, uh. Yeah, that was a puzzler for sure. Uh, I don't know if there's uh, anything else you want to say on the game, but that was just certainly, I think, everybody was hoping for a great game. Mm-hmm. And I think you got even even more than that, like more than you bargained for. The the ultimate Super Bowl QB in Tom Brady against the Nick Foles that had never been there. And Nick Foles didn't bat an eye. It was like no big deal to him. He was making it all happen. Guy gave him, again, just ton of credit on that. Yeah, he earned that MVP tonight. He really did. Because, again, with the Patriots, 33 points. 
most by a Super Bowl loser, beating the Cowboys' record of 31 when they lost to the Steelers. Tom Brady, 505 yards passing postseason record. And in the end, you as Nick Foles made enough plays to make sure all of those ended in an L. Kudos to you. Yeah, and I mean, I don't know... I mean, we know what's going on with the Patriots from here, right? They're losing their offensive corner, defensive coordinator. Uh, it's, you know, a whole new thing for Bill Belichick. Does he stay? Does he go? Every day, we rise, challenging ourselves to work for what we believe in. At U.S. Border Patrol, protecting our borders is more than a job. It's a calling. Agents answer the call, working together to keep our country and communities safe. If you are ready for a new mission, join U.S. Border Patrol and go beyond. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. I mean, lots of questions for them coming out of this game. Uh, you have to think Tom Brady feels awful wanting to win this one, especially with all the hubbubaloo coming on about, you know, oh, that thing on Facebook watch about him against Father Time and and everything else. And, you know, again, to Tom's credit, it was not him that was the reason why they lost this game. The offensive line couldn't hold up at the end when all the Eagles had to do was just keep rushing them. They were pinning their ears back and knew they had nothing to lose at that point. Uh, and then, you know, the defense couldn't come up with the stops when you needed them. And, uh, you know, it's it's unfortunate, but the way that they've won so many times, you knew the luck had to run out eventually. Yeah, it did. And again, I mentioned this on the kickoff, but this was a season very reminiscent to 2007, and it and for the Patriots, it ended the same way 2007 ended, going up against an NFC East team as a favorite, and they make one more miracle play than you do. So now you're still eight Super Bowls, you're five and three. Do you, how big are you really going to look at yourself knowing how well you performed individually? Certainly. Uh, certainly. I, I mean, he's already announced he's playing next season regardless. So do you think that it's, it's kind of died down? There has not been a lot of talk about it. But, I mean, obviously losing leaves a different kind of taste in your mouth than winning does. Do you still think that Belichick leaves? I mean, we haven't heard a lot of talk about it. I personally still do. He put way too much into this for this season and pretty banking on a win. And I don't see him leaving really himself with nothing. I don't know if he's going to be at that point to where... Yes, he's still got the players, but if he wants to try to rebuild and rework with another staff. 
Yeah, I mean, that that's the thing, right? You've got to deal with a new defensive coordinator, new offensive coordinator. It's, you probably are going to lose other coaches as well in this whole mix uh, to possibly other positions. You know, Tom Brady's another year older. It looks like it doesn't really matter. He's just, he keeps getting great. And the this receiving core has been pretty fantastic for him. I think the one thing you forgot to mention is how big of a loss Brandon Cooks was for this team. Oh, yes. Uh, Especially if you have Cooks on that final drive, instead of relying on Gronkowski, who, to be fair, couple catches did get out of bounds. But if you had that deep threat in Cooks, you can still win. Yeah, it gives you a much different threat than what you had out there. Uh, that being said, you know, because of the pressure, he couldn't get a big pass to Hogan that he could have got. I think he missed one to Amendola as well. Uh, but that, again, that's that's the defense being in a different position that they had been all game and being able to just go out there and rush Brady without a lot of fear. But definitely when you have Cooks out there who can beat almost anyone one-on-one, that gives you a whole different set of tools that you can play with, whole different formations you can use. And that was a big deal, especially in the first half. You could feel it from what they wanted to do. They had to change. They had to use the backs more. All that stuff that they normally do, but I think they had to do it more than they wanted to because Brandon Cooks was getting open, and he was he was making things happen. And that hit was really unfortunate. It just runs for 23 yards. Looks like he was kind of running around to see if he could get any more, and then, bam, mm-hmm. gets blindsided. And, oof, it was nasty. Yeah, it was nasty, and because of the rules, he was a runner with the ball, not considered defenseless. So on the first replays, you think, oh, it's a clean shoulder hit, no harm, no foul. Then you look at the replay from the opposite angle, and he's like, yes, mostly shoulder, but there was a bit of helmet-to-helmet. But in that position, there was really nothing that anybody could do. So what do you think about Nick Foles going forward? Do you think that there will be teams trying to come after him now? or do you, oh, if, oh, there will be. There will be. I think everybody saw what happened with Matt Flynn after just a even much, much less significant Week 17 game where he threw for almost 500 yards. Look at the contract that he commanded from Seattle. Hey, preseason happened, the rest is history. I think with this quarterback market, because you're not getting a real deep class coming out of college. You've got a bunch of teams still scrambling, making trades, trying to get their franchise guy. You figure if you can lure Nick Foles away for the right price, I can think of at least three, four teams that are going to be making that call and seeing what they can do. Do you think there's a chance Foles sticks around, saying, okay, I got my championship, let me just stay where I'm more comfortable, got my family here, or does he feel like, okay, I proved that I still have it, and if a team comes around asking for a lot of money, do I go there, and where I'm guaranteed to be the starter? Personally, I think with everything that's happened with him, with Philadelphia originally with St. Louis and L.A. And then 
almost just retiring and then being lured back by Kansas City and now Philadelphia again. I think, if anything, he wants stability. And I think the fact that he knows he has it, but he knows that Carson Wentz is there who also has it, the pressure is completely off. And I think with these awards and these accolades, he'll stay another couple of years, and then he might decide before too long just to retire, knowing that he had it and what he was able to do. Yeah, I think it just depends on his ambitions, right? If he feels like, okay, I went out and I was the main catalyst as to why this team performed so well in the playoffs. You know, obviously my coach put me in the right position to win. All these players mm-hmm. around me, offensive line, everything else. You, we can bring up so many things. The run game, he had the perfect he had a perfect situation, really. Let, let's be honest. That was mm-hmm. there for him. But, you know, Nick Foles, I said it, you'll say it, we're all going to say it. There was there was Nick Foles moments in this game that he made himself, not just the catch on the trick play, so many of those throws that he made. He's making those throws that only he's going to make. Obviously, Carson Wentz is a great quarterback as well, and and being young, he's got that time. You're, he may have had the perfect situation, the perfect coach, everything else. People, teams can look at that and go, I can do that with him as, as my quarterback too. It all depends on what he wants. Like you said, if he just wants stability, I got my championship. I don't mm-hmm. need anything else. I'm good. I'm fine mm-hmm. backing up Carson Wentz. Okay, cool. If he wants more, if he wants more accolades, if he wants to, to want that big money, and and command a contract where he's actually playing for it, you know, he could he could go out there and probably command the Kirk Cousins money right now. Oh, easily. Easily. So But but the thing is he can command Kirk Cousins money, but will teams and will he have the patience to get this right? Because let's face it, not every team is that turnkey right now. Oh, certainly. Yeah. I mean, I think Kirk Cousins would probably just go to anybody that gives him the most money. Mm-hmm. But I also think Nick Foles has been there, right? He's been there, done that. He's He's gone to the team that maybe he didn't, wasn't the right situation or, or, or something mm-hmm. like that. And, you know, maybe uh, if Minnesota is sitting there, not knowing what they want to do with their quarterback, they already saw Nick Foles beat them. And then Nick Foles went on to win the championship. You know, that's a team that perhaps they go, you know what, Case Keenum just wasn't good enough, but but Nick Foles is. And then they can play for him. There's so many teams that now need a quarterback, and they're not all going to be able to go out there and get Rosen, Allen, uh, Darnold in the draft. There's, there's going to no. be teams left out there. And there are a few teams that have that ability, but as we just saw with the Alex Smith and Kirk Cousins deal, which I guess we can talk about that uh, as well later, they just they took one guy that's younger and traded him for a more reliable person into a different offense now, going into the Jay Gruden system with a different set of weapons, all that kind of stuff, so... 
we'll see how that goes. Again, you can go, let's say you go to Arizona, where now you're different coach. Larry Fitzgerald might stick around. You got a nice receiving core. Uh, David Johnson, what a great winning back to have behind you. You got the really nice set of weapons. But, you know, is the coach going to work out for you? Is the offensive system going to work out for you that he employs? There's so much going on there where Nick Foles could easily just say, you know what, I'm going to stay where I'm comfortable and I'm not going to go anywhere. Right, because, again, even with Arizona and the situation in the NFC West, that could potentially be a multi-year situation to be competitive. Not to mention, you're going up against L.A. twice. You're going up against San Francisco twice. Who knows what's going to happen with Seattle in the next couple of years. You've got Kansas City where he was just there, so he knows how Andy Reid is. How are they going to do with Kirk Cousins? That's a wait and see. And only on the same side, Alex Smith with Washington. That could take a year for everything to gel. I think if it's a situation to where he can win again right away, Nick Foles will go. But at the same time, you can win again right away and be a lot more in the background sticking in Philadelphia. That's true as well. Uh, and like you said, I think it, it maybe it behooves him to wait a year and see mm-hmm. what pans out. You know, maybe Alex Smith doesn't pan in Washington and he plays so bad that, you know, they say, okay, we need to make a change. Or, you know, Mahomes, they, they get a little antsy with him and, and they go start going down. You know, you got, uh, again, you don't know what the Arizona situation is going to be. Uh, Browns, I don't think anybody would want to go to the Browns if you have the choice. No. <laughs> but, yeah. uh, you know. Even you said Minnesota. Okay, right. they get rid of Case Keenum. Sam Bradford's injury prone. Teddy Bridgewater's coming back. They've got to take a year to figure out, okay, what are we even working with? What's in the fridge? What's in the pantry? What can we cook with these ingredients? Do we have to pull go full Iron Chef? Or uh, can we just make a quick call to someone like Gordon Ramsay saying, hey, we're in a little bit of trouble here? <laughs> yeah, you got the Giants situation with uh, you don't know if Eli Manning's going or staying. The, I mean, it seems like he's staying, but you can't imagine he's got more than this year left over there, especially if they go and draft somebody. Uh, with the pick that they have, you'd imagine that they go after one of those quarterbacks, but. Again, we'll see what they decide to do. Uh, you know, the Redskins, I just mentioned they're an anomaly. Uh, the Cowboys and Eagles are kind of the only ones in that division that are sort of set going forward. And there's probably a whole host of, uh, I mean, I think the Bengals are another situation where, you know, is Andy Dalton that guy to take you to the promised land at this point? He's really proven that he's not. You know, he's he's that median that everybody uses on a scale when you're talking about quarterbacks. And at some point, how many times do you want to be middle of the road? Right, especially now that Marvin Lewis is gone. <laughs> that well, Marvin Lewis's time is really ticking now because he's got that two-year deal. 
and he's really got to make something happen. If he wants anything to happen for him past that point, or if he's just riding the two-year train and then retiring, who knows? But you'd imagine he wants to win. If they even give him those two years, that was a very, very last-minute deal. I mean... That's also that owner, like, you know, must love him to death or something, because... Almost any other owner would have said, okay, that's it, man. We've given you so many chances. This is how far you've gotten. Obviously, you're not the person to take us to the Super Bowl or anything close to that. We need to make a change. Yeah, and I think he might find himself walking the green mile sooner than he thinks. Uh, You are probably not lying about that at all. Uh, But, you know, again... The NFL is such a weird lady sometimes uh, about how they do things. Uh, So let's uh, get away from this game. It was a fantastic game. We talked about it. Uh, I think we kind of covered everything. There was probably stuff we didn't cover, and I'm sorry. Uh, But let's talk about other things involving the Super Bowl because, hey, this is that one event of the year where America stops. Almost everybody watches the game, and everybody's talking about something from it. What did you think about the halftime performance? John, just... Yeah, yeah. No. I mean... Ugh. Janet Jackson like coming and making another appearance could have maybe saved it, especially if we had a repeat of 2004, but just, no. Just no. I like Justin Timberlake as a performer, but I felt like he was really just kind of going through the motions. He knew it was a money grab. He felt that it was a money grab the entire time. He knows that not everybody's receptive to his new album, so he's like, all right, fine. I'll do it and make this paycheck and blah, 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 and take selfies. Meanwhile, I just sat there and played HQ and got to question four. Whatever. What do you think of the uh, the commercials this year? The fourth quarter really made me upgrade to a C plus. I thought you had some very good ones like the Peter Dinklage, Morgan Freeman, Doritos commercial, which by the way, if you didn't tweet Spitfire on Twitter for Peter Dinklage, you are crazy. Morgan, I love you. You're still one of about three people I would have to narrate my life, but I'm sorry. He and Buster Rhymes killed it. Take your L and move on. It was a really good one, though, from Morgan Freeman as well on the uh, Mountain Dew ice lemon lime thing, which I've had that uh, recently. It was pretty good. Uh, the I, I would agree. Those were two of the big standout ones, I think, if you're thinking about things from uh, this this uh, year. Uh, the robot sprint commercial, I thought was pretty funny. So Boy, was there. the Alexa one. Yes, the Alexa one was... Uh, <laughs> was pretty funny there in the fourth quarter. <laughs> uh, the oh. Bud Knight commercial. And I saw the Bud Knight making an appearance in the stadium. I he, I swear, if anybody around him just didn't go dilly-dilly, they all are just pathetic. <laughs> uh, Wendy's going savage on uh, McDonald's. 
I, I, I can't hate, especially since I just ate Wendy's the other day or went there. So, yeah, yeah. But I will say, Wendy's, come out with your fish sandwiches a little bit sooner than April. Just saying. I would agree uh, there. The uh, E-Trade, some people didn't like it. I, I really liked it. The E-Trade commercial with the I'm 85 and I want to go home. And very, very catchy. I, I Some will relate to that. And it was funny. That was going on as I was giving financial advice to a friend of mine. So it's very apropos. Ooh. Uh, certainly the, I felt like the movie trailers are pretty decent as well. The rocks skyscraper movie looks pretty decent. That looks good. Solo looks pretty good. And oh yeah. I, I, I will say to the tourism board of Australia, well played. Very yeah. well played. That was pretty great. I thought that was a movie trailer. And then they go, oh, no, we're promoting Australia here. So <laughs> great job at Chris Hemsworth um, uh, on on that one, too. And uh, the th- there were some uh, rather sentimental ones as well. Uh, they they played to a lot of that. Uh, the. Mm-hmm. Quite a few baby commercials with talking about, you know, equality and all that if only uh, the sort baby of thing. Commercials had it been puppy commercials, I would have won by propping go faster. Hmm. And the uh, the Coca Cola commercial also took a turn for that this year. Uh, I appreciated the uh, Intuit ad. Uh, kind of making fun of YouTube. Yeah. With everything that's going on with YouTube over the past 12 months, that was clever. (laughs) Yeah, just uh, some some pretty good ones this year, so I've got to hand it to them uh, for that. Uh, Maybe the halftime show wasn't spectacular, but they certainly uh, delivered on some of the commercials. Not all of them were good. Mm -hmm. I think it's very hard to just keep hitting on commercials. I mean, there's going to be some that just aren't going to be. Uh, I thought the Budweiser ones were kind of lackluster this year. Yeah. But they, of course, they hit on the Bud Light ones. But Yeah, the Bud Light one, because I get what Budweiser was doing with the whole, hey, we can water for community and disaster and stuff. Yeah, that was like tugging at the hard strings, but I think they did better off with Bud Light. But, folks, not every ad was a Tide ad. No matter how, <laughs> no matter how often that you think and you were going to get fooled, they didn't do it every time. <sighs> they uh, did pretty good on those, though. Uh, I'll give them that. Hey. Hashtag get off my horse. Anyway. <laughs> All right. So let's end this show by talking about some honors and Hall of Fames here. I, I think it's pretty hard to argue that the Hall of Fame class uh, this year uh, is not deserving all of these guys that got in. What what a stacked class, by the way. T.O. And, and Randy Moss in the same class. And the U being well represented yet again, Ray Lewis. So yes. all you other Florida schools can just suck it. Thank you very much. Uh, Ray Lewis, Brian Erlacher going in the same year too. Awesome middle linebackers. Uh, what an omen it was for the uh, Philadelphia Eagles to get one of their legends, uh, Brian Dawkins, 
the one of the best safeties uh, ever to play, uh, getting in. And then you got uh, Jerry Kramer in as uh, one of the the old timers, finally getting in. Of course, very well known for the Ice Bowl and of our Brazil as well. Um, so and so it's a pretty just stacked class this year, and pretty cool to to have all of these uh, go in. I think it's certainly one of the Hall of Fames. I might watch all the speeches. Uh, especially tos. Please, T.O., make it good. I'm begging you. <laughs> yeah, man. Uh, you got to make it good. Uh, so let's go through some of these uh, awards. I think some of them, it's. I don't think we're going to have much to talk about because it's pretty obvious. Mm-hmm. Uh, but Rookie of the Year honors and pretty much everything involving offensive rookie uh, went to Alvin Kamara for the Saints. No real surprise. It was really a race between him and Kareem Hunt. So, with everything he did and really how multifaceted he was, catching, receiving, and a little bit in special teams, I I can't fault that. I think it was a good choice. Uh, Marshawn Lattimore, also the Saints wins Defensive Rookie of the Year. I think that one was pretty much saddled up. Yeah. Yeah, no real competition on that one. <laughs> um, Pat Schirmer wins assistant coach of the year. Well, for the job that he did in getting Case Keenan together in that offense and really how they rebounded after the Dalvin Cook injury, how they were able to keep going, yeah, kudos to him. Uh, d- the uh, Sean McVay wins coach of the year. I think that one writes itself. Yeah. Hey, Jeff Fisher. Uh, anytime I hear you even think about trying to get a staff together ever again, let me know so I can smack some sense into you. Stay away from this league. Just no, no, you're done. I mean, there's a reason why you really haven't heard his name mentioned in anything because, yeah. I wonder if he even wants to at this point. I think he knows this is pretty much uh, mm-hmm. it for him. Uh, Aaron Donald goes from holding out to winning Defensive Player of the Year awards, so certainly proved he's worth the money. And that's why he held out. He's like, I see what you're doing, Rams. Juan, <laughs> let me show you what I can do. Pay me. <laughs> Tom Brady wins MVP. Uh, the fact that somebody was carrying his speech and spotted carrying his acceptance speech hours before anything was even made official. Oh, dear God. Just please retire. Go away. Go home to your woman because guess what? She's going to be miserable because Neymar's got someone else. I'm going to shut up now. I'm not bitter. <laughs> God. And J.J. Watt wins Man of the Year. I think that was totally going to happen after all the money he raised for the hurricane and everything else. I think that was also pretty sewn up, too. Yeah, he started that snowball rolling, and look where it ended up. So, uh, no no surprise. No surprise. But overall, it's been, I think, an incredible year for the NFL. Uh, Lots to sort out. You know, Roger Goodell discussed they might finally do something about the catch rule 
it almost became a problem two different times in this game, and they went ahead and just went with the play stands is called thing Pittsburgh and did not fan- enter into controversy. Pittsburgh fans, sorry. I get it completely. I think I get- that's different. I think it's a different deal. Uh, Ertz clearly goes over the goal line and became a runner. Uh, Jesse James, that was more of a he does hit the ground before the end zone and then goes in. So I think that's a whole different thing. And the ball never hits the ground for Ertz. Mm, where true. like when it flips over, it's really hard to tell and he still catches in the air. It's not like he flips over and it hits the ground or something like that. I mean, I think that one was a lot harder to overturn than the Jesse James one. Yeah. I think the Clement one was much more of a you could overturn that if they wanted to. Yes, especially with the placement of the foot and when he got control. I'm just glad, especially for that Clement one, that it did stand simply because, oh, God, would there have been even more riots? Yeah, certainly. Sorry, I'm just trying to see if uh, Gary wants to come on just to (laughs) say his piece. (laughs) It's just I I wanted to go ahead and uh, get this over with because I knew it was going to take him like another hour to get home. And And, and, and another hour we're waiting around, so. Yeah, and I know you as Cowboy fans will going to especially have a lot to talk about going into next season after this. Yeah, uh, this is, it's going to be an interesting one. I think it's certainly a, everybody better get their butt in gear. Uh, for the coaches, uh, if they do not make the playoffs, Jerry's hammer is coming down on everybody, and I think Jason Garrett would be certainly included in that. Uh, so they they better have a pretty good season, and obviously, you know, injuries are going to have to play a good part because we, we saw well, one of your biggest important things, Tyron Smith, uh, get injured quite a bit last year. He is a key cog. He gets injured. That's a big deal. Uh, of course, you're gonna have to deal with the Ezekiel Elliott drama uh, next year, which that's good. But uh, I think for the Eagles, they got uh, that thing set for a little while. So uh, they're gonna be the team to beat for I think years to come. Uh, with the Giants uncertainty now, with the Redskins going uh, in the favor of Alex Smith instead of sticking with Kirk Cousins, that could blow up in their face really badly. What, what do you think about that? Do you think that that has a bigger chance of failing or succeeding? Personally, I think it has a bigger chance of failure. We've seen what Alex Smith can do. He flourished under a Harbaugh system. He flourished under a Reed system. But I don't know if Gruden is really the whisperer that either of those other two coaches are and yet he can take a quarterback like an Andy Dalton like a Kirk Cousins and elevate them to a certain level but Alex Smith especially in cold weather late in the season it 
I don't know if you can prevent him from going back into those sorts of habits. And you combine that with a little bit less concrete of a running game, more deep threats than more uh, dink-and-dunk passing favorable ones, I don't see this as the right move. I don't. I think you certainly have... You have the pieces are in place, right, that are similar to what you had with the Chiefs. You have Chris mm-hmm. Thompson, who, if he stays healthy, is your guy that flashed for everybody. He was extremely vital for them last year in making things happen. He is that sort of Tyree Kill kind of guy. Um, more, I don't think he's so much Kareem Hunt as he is more like Tyree Kill. I think... Mm-hmm. Uh, you have, you do have a nice complimentary piece in, in Rob Kelly there for the run game, so you have a nice one-two punch. Uh, you have, if, Ty, if Terrell Pryor can ever get on the right track, you have something there. Josh Doxson, I think, showed that he deserved that pick that he was given when he was able to catch the ball. He had a few cases of the dropsies uh, during that time. And Jameson Crowder... Ryan Grant, those guys are really solid. And so you have a good core there as far as your weapons go. Uh, The offensive line is actually pretty solid when they're all healthy. Last year they had the problem with three linemen going down almost all at the same time, which really hurt Kirk Cousins and the Redskins' chances last year. Uh, And the defense was actually pretty decent as well. Um, uh, They just got hurt again by the fact that the offense started to to go down, so they were relying on the defense so much that they kind of cratered at times. But those pieces are there. I think the team's makeup is very similar. But you are going to an NFC East that's different. Mm-hmm. Uh, you're a different coach, a different system again. Do I think he can work there? Sure, I think he can. Uh, but like you... I feel like there is a bigger chance of it possibly failing. And and that's an issue uh, for Washington to take that big of a gamble. You knew what you had in Cousins. You just didn't want to pay him. Nope. And now you're going to bring in. He's a sure thing, but he's a little old for a sure thing. And how many years does he got left? Exactly. Because now this is someone who, if I remember correctly... This will be for Alex Smith year 14? Mm-hmm. Something like that. Yeah. 14 years. You hit the nail on the head. Time's running down. Are you, is he going to be around long enough for you to be able to adapt to him? And then what if the time comes where, yes, he's great, are you going to be able to be in this situation again? Do you want to pay him if and when that time comes? Because if Snyder wasn't going to pay Kirk Cousins, he's certainly not going to pay Alex Smith. Yeah, especially if Alex Smith's still performing at the level he is now. He was this year, mm-hmm. and he's wanting to get paid. I don't think Snyder's paying him. <laughs> Uh, Gary gave me the definitive no. He says he is a bitter bitch. Right. 
at uh, being a Cowboys fan and went watching the Eagles now make it the quadruple. Every team in the NFC East, which is the only division that is every team has now won a Super Bowl, which is cool for the division, but obviously uh, Gary takes that uh, much more seriously than I do. Uh, I mean, I well, don't, I don't really well, care. It's, well, it's not the well, Cowboys, then whatever. Tell, tell Gary this. Be proud in the fact that when it comes to Super Bowl matchups, your division is now 7-1 and one against AFC East teams. And now you're also, what, 3-1 and one against Tom Brady and the Patriots? Yes. So, uh, pretty, pretty nice number there uh, against <laughs> the Pats, but... Yeah, now we have a whole off season to figure out what's going to happen. We'll, I'm sure we'll start seeing things unravel once we get past the whole Super Super Bowl, uh, you know, honeymoon that's going to happen for the next week or so, and then things will start getting down to business. People will start talking about the draft. People will start talking about play, you know, coaches moving. Uh, Patricia mm-hmm. and McDaniel's will both get named uh, coaches of the Lions and Colts respectively pretty quickly here. And yep, that's going to be tomorrow. Then you've got the combine in a couple of weeks. It's so crazy how fast this all moves. And of course, for us, uh, you can continue to hear us on the WTM network as uh, we're still doing soccer to the max. And in fact, for us, that offseason didn't last very long at all because the MLS starts up again in a month. You've got. The NWSL also starting up, and you've got the World Cup just around the corner. My God, it's not going to get any less cumbersome for us with the months coming. But, hey, this is what what the podcasts are for, to have things to talk about. It's it's fun to have the season start again. Uh, Go ahead. How do you think I feel? This is over. Oh, yeah, Winter Olympics start Thursday. Oh, yeah. AFLX starts in about 10 days. And then after that, while the World Cup, MLS, and NWSL are going on, you've got Super Rugby 7s. March and April, you've got the U.S. Open of football starting. This is a truly a year-round thing for me this time. Thankfully, we don't have to worry about stuff with the Olympics. That's just that you watch it as you want to. Uh, If it was the summer, then it'd be a little bit different. We'd have to... We'd have things we'd have to cover, but true. Yeah, you got March Madness coming up as well, pretty soon. So that's always something yeah. that's that's fun to discuss. Hopefully, to have a big a bigger screen TV, raring to go for that. Are you gonna go the 4K route? I don't know if I'm gonna do that yet. Personally, I, I might get I, a TV for one of the other rooms in the house, but I don't know if I'm doing that. I honestly, I didn't think I was going to, but then when uh, Xfinity teased in a commercial, it's like, oh, we're good for 4K. I'm like, if I can get a good deal on a big enough 4K TV, I'll do it. Yeah, see, I don't want to pay the extra fees and all that they're going to charge because they already charge you $10 just to have HD. I can't imagine what they charge you to have 4K. Oh, trust me, I'll deal with Xfinity in that regard for that. (laughs) They owe me a favor, even though, well, no comment. (laughs) (laughs) But, uh, alright, so, I don't know 
how frequent we're going to be doing the podcast for a little while. I think we'll definitely at least try to do something once a week. Uh, we definitely won't be doing twice a week, at least until the draft gets closer. Uh, so we'll be doing these once a week things for a little bit. Uh, sorry we didn't do a podcast uh, before the Super Bowl, but things kind of happened. Plus, Eric was on the kickoff with the guys, and you heard a lot. Uh, on that one, plus the debut of Jason Teasley, uh, you'll get to hear them all break down the Super Bowl on the Wednesday evening, Thursday uh, morning show of the kickoff, and then they'll go on on a little hiatus as well, while we'll still be uh, doing our thing here. Uh, don't forget to check out Soccer to the Max as well, that has Eric and I on it. You can hear us talk about what's been going on. The... U.S. soccer elections are happening next week, Eric. Oh, it is going to be huge <laughs> when that goes down. And like I said, MLS starting back up, and if it's still starting back up, the World Cup just keeps getting closer and closer. What a commercial for Andres Contour on the Super Bowl as well. Uh, Jack, you just keep promoting him. It'll make me just watch Telemundo uh, all the time. Uh, You're lucky the, you even get Telemundo. You don't get Telemundo? Not that I've seen. It, it, that's, that's a, a regular whole... channel. Not with us, it isn't. <laughs> Unless Wait, I... I... Hold Look on, that's a regular channel, like Univision and and all that. That's a norm. That's a... If you had the antenna, you could get Telemundo. I'm going to have to look through it through my guide, because I think with us, at least in this territory, I haven't seen anything as far as being able to get Telemundo. As a matter of fact, hang on. Do we get Telemundo? Yes. We do get Telemundo. Yes, we do. What channel is Telemundo on? I gotta on? go and look. Okay. Yes, see? Everybody <laughs> can officially thank my mother for stepping in and correcting I me. I because... one thing. Can I ask you guys one thing, if you don't mind? Sean, what okay. say you? Ask away. Butler did not play tonight. I'm going to ask you. Why did they not put Butler in and put Roe in instead, knowing that... Butler knew how to play that nickel formation all the time with the rest of the guys, and Roe really wasn't that familiar with that because uh-huh. he hasn't played like that. And did they not forget that Butler was the one that was instrumental in helping to win that game against the Seattle Seahawks? Yeah, Super Bowl Forty Nine. That's one of the things that I mentioned and we talked about at the beginning of the podcast. Okay, so what was the reason? There was no reason. First of all, first of all, Eric. <laughs> Why didn't you tell me your mom has this football knowledge? We need to have her on this show. She has this football knowledge in years of living with me. Okay. Should I, should still, I tell her? Still, we need to have your mom on this show, apparently. She is uh, laying it down here. Uh, yeah. To be a free agent, but he was really emotional about that because they didn't even tell him to the last minute. Right, mom. We're yeah. scratching our heads with that one, too. I didn't understand it. Do you Sean all didn't think understand it. If he had played in that game, would the game have been an out? The outcome would have been different. Brady was really good. Yeah. Brady played magnificently. Yeah. But you need to have all of your key players that are used to playing with you in place, especially for a game this big. So, can you tell me if Butler had a play, do you think it would have been a different outcome? Ah. Uh... We have to remember there's times where Butler was not playing up to his best during the season and in the playoffs. So it's not like he's a sure thing. We got to remember he came off the bench to make that play against the Seahawks. It's not like he was playing the entire game. 
either he got a big reputation after that, asked for the big money, and then he obviously earned it after what he played after that Super Bowl performance. But I think it was more about, again, this was, it was a horrible move to do it in the Super Bowl, the mm-hmm. way that it was done. But this is a very Patriots move. We know we're not retaining you next year. Let's see what Rose got. We're going to win with the, the players that we know we're going to have. and Right. But yeah. why do this? Why wait until the biggest game of the year to remove this guy? Why didn't you not tell we, him ahead of time? Butler, you're not playing up to your standards that that we have that we have set for you. Well, what is wrong? Is there something wrong? Is there something you need to work on? Okay, but this is also Bill Belichick, and I was leading up to this as well. Look at the foundation that Belichick has laid since the Garoppolo trade. No. He knows defensive coordinator Matt Patricia out the door. So he's saying, okay, this is what you're going to have left, especially if I win, I'm not going to deal with this. Whoever's next in line, Robert Kraft, this is going to be your problem. Well, and whole, I still feel that well, way. Well, the whole theme of the game is going <laughs> to change by next year anyway because you have people that are leaving. So you're going to have to bring in different people anyway to rebuild this game you know, yes, and because, if Belichick leaves, you're also going to have right, to bring in a different general manager. Right. So why not let the guy play when you know that there is not going to be the same people there next year that's there this year, and it's going to be a whole game change next year. So why not have let the guy play anyway? I, you know, I don't know him that well. In fact, you can tell him how I felt about football in the first place. I, I learned all this from Eric. This is a, this is the same woman who once thought that both quarterbacks were on the field simultaneously. Hey, sometimes you have to start somewhere, right? This is very true. It, it took a lot of patience, but she once I got into the meat and potatoes of the game, she was a very fast learner from there. So I have to give her credit for that. Well, I have a good teacher. Bye. Thank you, guys. I just wanted to ask that question. Oh, I appreciate it. So I think there's also never got a number. There's two weeks here between yeah. the, end of the conference championship game to the start of this game. We don't know if Malcolm Butler said something. We don't know if anything uh, was said behind the scenes, if anything was decided behind the scenes, if this was the ultimate, you know, retribution for the stuff that happened in the off season. You know, mm-hmm. we don't know. The, the Patriots are so weird sometimes about how they handle right. these things. Yeah, uh, and it, the one thing we do know is they do not let you know about the real reason until way later when it doesn't matter anymore. Yeah. They're certainly not going to tell you the day of the Super Bowl. Yeah, this is a Belichickian move as coach and all of his powers as general manager, de facto or otherwise. This is something he likes to do. He's incredibly playing it close to the vest. I'm sure come April or May, we're going to find out the ultimate reason of why this happened the way it happened. But you're absolutely right. Something was done. Something was said. I can only imagine if this happened earlier in the season, he would have been like past players and have just been flat out traded. And that'd really be that. Right. Exactly. And so, we saw that last year uh, with Jamie Collins. And uh, we, we've seen it in the past. Chandler Jones was gone mm-hmm. after, you know, you thought that was somebody they would have kept. So there's a laundry list of guys we can we can talk about in that position, but 
All right, that does it for this season. We're, we're the next time you hear us, we'll be talking about things that are going to be happening You're coming in the next season. Hang on, she's itching to ask another question. This is one more question. Since Foe has won the Super Bowl, even though he came in only after Went was hurt in the 14th game, uh-huh. okay, and he is now the MVP, uh-huh. and he has won the Super Bowl, yes. is there going to be a problem with with keeping him in Philly? Or I know Went, this is Went's team. Yes, we talked. Think, we actually talked about this Do you too. think they should trade him, or should they keep him? As backup, or is there going to be conflict? From the Philadelphia, hold on now. I I would say, I was just going to say, if you go and listen to the first about 30 minutes of the show, you'll hear us talk about that eventually. Or we go through the different possibilities of what they could do with Nick Foles. Different teams and everything. I think they should keep him. Hmm. I think they should keep him because they do not know how well Went is going to be. What if when he comes back, he re-injures something? Uh, this has been known to happen to quarterbacks yes. who have been hurt and come back into a game. If you trade away your good backup quarterback or whatever, because remember, he is a backup, and he and he's just a rare bunch of backups that actually came in and won Super Bowl games, okay? okay. My friend in Redskins was Doug. Who did it the first time? Okay, but let's just say. Well, hold, hold on, Doug Williams. That's because it's a lot easier to replace a guy like Jay Schrader. This isn't a situation like Jeff Hostetler coming in and winning Super Bowl twenty five well, for the Giants and replacing Phil Sims. And, and we thing, talked about this too. And another mm-hmm. thing is, shouldn't went because he actually did get the Eagles. To the position where folks can Wentz come in is, and take over. Um, Carson Wentz is not losing his starting job. Okay, right. I don't think he is. But do you think it's fair that he uh, he should have shared that? I don't know if they shared an MVP. No. But do you think no. that he got an honorable mention? Too? No, because no, he wasn't. No. Not, that doesn't work. If this were regular, what you do in the regular season doesn't matter to the playoffs. Exactly, oh, no. and even then, just like the con Smythe. Just like NBA Finals, it's what you do at the very end. Okay, well, I think that he was very gracious in how he 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 congratulated uh, uh, Foles about how he won the game and everything. Yeah. But I'm just wondering, can these two guys work together at, well, on I, the team? Uh, quarterback and backup. I'm I, sure. I mean, at least from my perspective, it worked well this season. Right. <laughs> I uh, think yeah. It I don't think Nick Foles winning changes anything from their dynamic. I think Wentz is such a competitor, it's just going to make him have even more fire to be the quarterback this time. Yeah, Uh, I I think it all comes down to, I hate to repeat ourselves some earlier, but it all really comes down to Nick Foles. What does he want? Is he comfortable Mm -hmm. now that he's won a championship and he stays? Or... Does he want to go to another team? Because there's going to be a lot of teams coming after him now. I don't think that he wants to go to another team because I think that Nick Foles felt, because this is the way he felt when he talked to uh, the analysts, some of the analysts. He mentioned the fact that God had put him in this place for him to be there. Yes. And this this was his calling. 
yes. came out to and, do this. And again, I even referenced that because I went back through his journey. This is his second stint with Philadelphia, Kansas City. He was with the Rams. And I specifically mentioned this earlier. Now I'm going to be the one repeating myself. Does he decide, after he had that camping trip where he thought about retiring, does he realize, hey, I can stay in Philadelphia and win? I need stability right now. Do I make this even my last stop and then retire a couple of years myself? The fact is that he has a good rapport with the coach. Remember that. He has a good rapport with the coach, and the coach is the one that actually hired him back. Okay, they yeah, that back. was Andy okay. Reid with Kansas City, and then they traded yeah, but him. Yeah, Doug Peterson was there as a quarterback the coach. coach. Philadelphia took him back, but he knows yes. this coach of Philadelphia. Yes, it seems like they have had a report before. That's because but- Doug Peterson, head coach, backup quarterback with the Eagles in the NFL, Frank Reich, offensive coordinator. Backup quarterback with so, the Bills and a couple of other teams in the NFL. You kind of see the pattern here. Yeah, what I'm asking you guys: Why wouldn't he not want to stay? Why wouldn't he not want to stay with well, the Eagles? Uh, he you know, might he, want a. He might want to be a starting quarterback somewhere. No he way might, that he can be. Okay. He, he might later on, but okay. I think that they would be shooting Mom. themselves in the foot Ref- until they realize that that point, their quarterback, their Mom, quarterback, quarterback. Point of reference, what? and I even said this, Matt Flynn, backup for the Packers, remember what happened to him? Foles could easily chase that kind of a payday if he wants. I think this would be even I don't, more. I, don't think, I think this would be even more well-earned, but I can't get inside of his head. I don't think that with this guy and listening to how he spoke tonight, I really like him. This is a very grounded person. This is a very religious man. This man truly believes that there is a calling for him. Absolutely. He was calm and collect. He knew when he got up there on that field that this was something he had to do. People that's that confident in themselves, and like he said, that play that they did was something they had done during practice three times. And yes, it worked. And, and it worked this time. Mm-hmm. So anybody that's that confident in themselves and has that much belief in a higher power, you know, he has a tranquility about him that a lot of other people do not have. And I think that he would be okay. It's not about the money so much, and then it is. He has a kid and everything. But I think that he wants to be more comfortable where he is playing. That's what I had said. And I said, hey, maybe he wants stability. Yeah, we're definitely so. going to sit and you're going to listen to the first half of the podcast. Well, so. I wish I hadn't listened to it. I wouldn't have been being repetitious and asking you all I think in the end it's all about look we gotta we gotta turn the page the next season right now you know where your place is again behind Carson Wentz you know you can be called upon at any moment and you know you plug and play and you work just great and if that's what he feels is great for him being a veteran now having won a championship you don't have to go chasing championships anywhere. You already nope. got one. If that's what he feels like is great for him, then cool. If he has this offseason. I think he's going to stay. Oh. My gut tells me that he is going to ride this out next year. Okay. And see how this goes. Because you never, ever know when you may need to be called. I mean. Right. Yeah. And, uh, all, and we basically said there's way too many moving parts right now. 
I think that he is going to take time and make a decision. There's going to be a lot of other teams involved who will be calling on him, just like we saw with the Alex Smith trade. There's way too much going right this second, well, right post-Super Bowl. You have a lot of problems with way. these other teams already. Mm-hmm. Right. You're going to have a problem, we number m- one, with teams that are being bought and sold, we for men- instance, like the Panthers. Again, we mentioned that. So, well, the Panthers, that's a whole entirely yeah, separate. The Panthers have Cam Newton. They're not going to go anywhere before his quarterback goes. Okay, the but again, well, again, you're talking about teams who would actually – the Panthers aren't going to make a phone call. No. Josh no. McDaniels, he'll wait to make a phone call because he's got to evaluate what he has. Remember, he's got a relationship with Jacoby Brissett, who was a backup quarterback right there. So let's uh, call a quick timeout well, on all this and that. Yeah, plus, he's got to figure out what he's got in Andrew Luck, too. But Thank I, you, I think. <laughs> Good night. Good night. I, I, I think at the end of the day, What's going to be important for him is we'll. See, I think the draft is going to be the biggest thing. I think if you don't hear his name being thrown out there for teams by the time the draft ends, mm-hmm. then you know he's staying. If yeah. During the draft, people are throwing his name around about how he could be traded and 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 you know the Eagles feel confident enough that Carson Wentz will be okay, that they can just get somebody else, and that they're they want the picks and and all that stuff, then okay. Uh, but I, I think your mom and, and we all we all of us talked about this, I think he's staying at least for this year. Absolutely. Because Carson Wentz could get injured again, and then here he, here he is being the quarterback right. of the Eagles again. And and if and if Carson Wentz is healthy the whole year, and let's say they get to the playoffs and they don't win, or maybe they do win, and next year when things are different, maybe he says, okay, I'm going to test the market now. Right. Because, I mean, he, he's had a lot of soul-searching and a lot of thinking to do, and I'll even go back to say, who knows? He may ride this out one, two more years himself, and then he decides, you know what? I've achieved everything I can. I've got my stats. I've got my accolades. I've got my ring. I can hang it up. So this, everything is just way too much of a wild card right now. Uh, exactly. Well, before we get any more wild cards asking questions on the show, we should go ahead and end <laughs> things here. Uh, again, uh, probably next week we'll be back to, to – I'm sure there will be rumors. We'll, we'll talk about the coaching changes again uh, and all that stuff, and we'll just kind of play it by ear. If you get a show, it's because there's been enough for us to talk about. Uh, if you don't, that means that there's kind of been nothing going on. But uh, once the combine comes around and all that stuff – and We'll, we'll probably be a little bit more regular. Uh, but right now, it's, hey, Philadelphia Eagles, congratulations. You won your first Super Bowl. You are world champions. Go enjoy that thing. The parade is going to be crazy. And, yeah, Nick Foles, cherish this moment, man. Yes, and Eagles fans, no punching horses, no burning down the city. I would say you're better than that, but you've proven otherwise. So I'm telling you again. So far, I've seen you doing this right. I wake up to any news of any fires in the morning, I'm going to be disappointed. Oh, you know there's going to be rioting. It kind of always happens. Well, at least if you are, have the common decency to send me a cheesesteak. <laughs> well, there you go. You got to send Eric a cheesecake. Or cheesesteak. Cheesecake will probably be good, too. Uh, and <laughs> Send me one for dessert. I'll eat that, too. 
All right. Until the next time we're on, for Eric and for myself, thank you for listening. Hit that subscribe button if you like what you hear. Uh, go on YouTube, subscribe to that channel. Go subscribe to the entire WTM Network on whatever podcast thing you like to listen to. Visit WTMNet.com, and we will see you guys later. Peace. The following podcast is a W2M Network original production. Visit W2Mnet.com for all of our other great podcasts, plus news, reviews, articles, and opinions from the worlds of wrestling, video games, football, and entertainment.